Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Astrid back on with us. What's up, Astrid? How are you? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Where are you at right now at the moment? Uh, the Florida Keys. What? Yeah, That's this is epic. home for me. Yep. Right in the, uh, it's called the sport fishing capital of the world. So my my town is called Isla Mirada. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right in the center of the Florida Keys. Ashley, give us a little overview on yourself for the people that haven't um, been introduced to you before. Um, what you do, where you're from, um, and how you've been living the salt life recently. Sure. So I am from New York, but I currently live in the Florida Keys. Um, I'm a professional angler and obviously I love fishing, love being out in the water. Uh, for my job, what I do is work for a sports agency. Uh, most of my career has been in baseball on the operation side, the scouting side, and now moving to the agency side. So it's been pretty awesome. That's crazy. That's so sick. It's funny because I feel like um, like athletic sports and like ocean sports and everything kind of correlates. Like you talk to like professional football players or professional basketball players and stuff. And they're, Oh yeah, we like to bass fish or what, whatever it is, like where they live, like they're still involved in the ocean. I feel like every action sports is like that. It's crazy. You know, it's so funny because a lot of uh, the players that we represent are really into fishing and being out in the water. So it's it like you said, it's an awesome kind of uh, synergy moment for a lot of these guys. That's epic. So what have you been up to since the last time we talked? Just fishing a lot. You know, we've just been grinding it out, trying to get as much content as possible. Um, and obviously with that, you get good days and bad days. So yeah, but grinding it out. <laughs> epic. So today I want to talk to you about um, just like tips, tricks, and different things on fishing in Florida. I feel like you're you're a magic person to talk to about this stuff. And for, for me, especially on the West Coast in California, um, we fish a completely different, uh, you know, species, but also a different way of uh, fishing here. So uh, I'd love to like bring that up with you and just go through the, the dynamics of fishing in Florida. Sure. And honestly, like when you're in Florida, there's just such a variety of different fishing you can do um, throughout the entire state of Florida. So you get a lot of people who do like peacock bass fishing and bass fishing more inland. Um, on the east coast of Florida, there's a lot of trolling and kite fishing. Um, and obviously, like bottom fishing is big over there as well. Um, if you go to the west coast of Florida, it's kind of the similar what has uh, what they have on the east side but you have to go really offshore to get to like deep water so that's uh that's very interesting you know also having lived in that side of florida and then when you come to where i live um you really have the best of both worlds both offshore and inshore um and the one thing about the florida keys that people don't realize is that how skinny the water gets here like you know, you'll be in like a couple inches of water and you'll see like bonefish and like even sometimes permit tailing. Um, so it, it, there's just such a variety 
in um, Isla Mirada, which is why it's called the sport fishing capital of the world. Um, so yeah, it really depends on what part of Florida you're in. Um, I was fortunate enough to kind of venture throughout the different parts of Florida. So I've done the peacock bass and the bass fishing. I've done the offshore on the West Coast. I've done some offshore on the East Coast of Florida. And obviously living down here, you get a lot of the uh, the offshore and the backcountry, it's called, um, fishing over in the Florida Keys. Yeah, I feel like there's so many different... Um ways and opportunities to fish on the east coast rather than like the west coast like here you know we throw plastics or, or jigs and stuff um and we know what we're going after usually but um i feel like there there's just so many different species of fish and so many different ways to fish that you guys have those opportunities to utilize so many different pieces of equipment yeah and you know what's so funny is the techniques that um you know, you'll get in the East coast of Florida are really different than what people do down here in, in the Florida Keys. Hmm. For instance, like I've actually never caught a sailfish yet, yeah. but sail fishing on the East coast of Florida, a lot of people are putting up kites yeah. and doing that kind of thing. To me, that's not too exciting because what I've seen in the Florida Keys is like literally like a sailfish trying to get bait on the surface and you can kind of see them tailing and then all of a sudden you're pitching a bait at it and sight casting at a sailfish and to, and you're getting to you're moving to that spot so for me like the sight casting and watching that part of it is more exciting than throwing up kites and then hoping like you know you get a sailfish um you know and that, that's kind of similar too but there are some common techniques that people do like for wahoo Fishing, people troll for the majority of the time, um, you know, bottom fishing on wrecks, pretty similar, uh, depending on how deep you are. Sword fishing also, you know, people are kind of doing similar techniques, which is why it's kind of um, it's been established here by like Nick Stanzik and that whole family. And then kind of brought out to, you know, that technique has been pushed throughout the entire state of Florida, even up to some parts um, in like North Carolina, people are doing the same techniques. Um, so it is kind of cool how people are adapting and learning from the different techniques of, of the different bodies of water, but it is, um, you know, it works the sail fishing techniques of sight fishing works here versus over in the East coast. Yeah. Let me bring up like the basics of Florida fishing. I mean, obviously you guys need a fishing license, uh, saltwater fishing there. Uh, what are like the basics for Florida that I can compare to like here? Like, do you guys have to have like a saltwater enhancement on your fishing license? Um, like what kind of requirements do you have to have for, for like that basic stuff, like a fishing license? Yeah, it's actually really, really easy to get a fishing license here in Florida. You kind of just go on the site. Um, and if you're charter fishing, like your captain um, covers all of that. But the one unique thing that people don't realize when they go fishing in the Florida Keys is when you're backcountry fishing in, in the Everglades, you need a special permit to go back there because oh, wow. um, there's just a different set of rules because of uh, how heavily protected um, some of the islands are and some of the fish uh, fishery too. So it, it kind of depends to answer your question where you are, but to get a general license in Florida, um, it's really easy. You just go to FWC website, apply for license, you get it. There's no real enhancement um but there are options to do um lobstering and that kind of thing 
Yeah, like different tags on your license. Correct. And then for stone crab traps, you know, that is actually free. And all you have to do is to apply and, and kind of, I think they do that. So, you know, the rules, you understand the rules. Um, and if you ever do do something where you shouldn't be doing something, they can always say, Hey, like you applied for yeah. a license, you got a license and you should have read thoroughly on a, what species you're catching into the, the size limit, you know? Yeah. And that sure. changes every year that changes every year. So. Yeah, you got to like keep up to date on all the new rules and regulations and what's going yep. on. Even the sure. captains too have to like kind of, um, you know, tell each other, hey, Cobia last year was 33 inches. Now it's 36 inches to the fork. So wow. make sure when you're out there. Um, but I think that's a good thing because you have so many people coming to Florida nowadays, like everybody and their sister and their aunts and uncles are coming down here either moving down here or um spending a couple of weeks down here but they're also renting boats and going out in the water not really being educated on um species size limits and things that are kind of frowned upon you know yeah for sure i feel like i feel like especially for here like it's really important to to read everything that you're getting into like for us like lobster like you can get seven um, but there's like specific rules on you can only have seven lobster in your freezer. So you got to oh. make sure that like, because a fishing game officer can be like, all right, can I go back to your house? I want to check out what you have in your freezer. Like there's yeah. crazy oh, rules and regulations. Crazy. Stuff. I wish they had that here because um, there's something called mini season down here yeah. where it is the most crowded. Um, I mean, I live maybe a mile from like my local supermarket and it'll take me like, you know, 45 minutes to get there because of so many people coming and driving down, but they're all coming here for lobsters. Yeah. And the one thing that's frustrating is like the influx of people, but also not knowing like the limit for lobsters. So, but luckily that week, there's always a lot of FWC officers on, out on the water, just double checking. Um, Cause the last thing you want is people to take advantage of, you know, your, your home. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I actually was watching an interesting thing on YouTube yesterday, guys fishing in Indonesia and, and, you know, poaching and stuff and how they're, you know, going after those people and stuff. And it really is a good thing because we need to look out for our environment and our, our fish and not catch, you know, a thousand bluefin tuna or whatever in one day and kill them all. Like how much fish do you really need? Honestly, exactly. For a specific person. Exactly. And the one thing too, is like you get people down here that trailer their own boats or rent boats and they don't really know, um, you know, the etiquette on the water. It's not so much the rules, regulations, more the etiquette of like, you know, charter captains who are trying to make a living and not crowding them is as simple as that. Or, um, you know, not blowing a wake by a marina. That's as simple as, you know, common sense. It, it's just not there for a lot of these people. Um, unfortunately, but, um, you know, it, I will say that if people decide to do come here, it's like, instead of trailing your boat, just, it's probably cheaper just to do a charter, you know, <laughs> have somebody yeah. guide you to, For to, sure. um, you know, what you should be doing. So I would like to see more of that versus people trying to do things on their own, because it is extremely difficult, especially moving to the back country where there's inches of water and you have like a 20, you know, seven, eight foot boat and you don't know what you're doing. It can be dangerous, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta know what you're doing for sure. What about, um, different fishing seasons there? I mean, your guys' water is pretty warm year round, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, um, obviously different species that kind of gravitate to- towards like the cooler water, like Wahoo's like it when more in the winter. So do sailfish, um, um, so do red drum in the back country. But when you get into like the warmer stuff, you know, you start seeing like tarpon, like this is tarpon season now where a lot of people come down, try to catch a tarpon. Um, and yeah, so it kind of shifts, but I will say it hasn't been as consistent because, you know, things, I guess, get affected by the red tide and, and the migration patterns might change. So, um, so for instance, last year, like tarpon season was basically over at this time where now it's only just beginning. So there's that inconsistency down here too. Are there specific seasons for specific fish? Like you can only catch certain fish in certain times. The legalities of it. um, Like, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, there are. So May 1st is like a a grouper season starts. Um, So that's something that's, you know, a big thing down here. Um, And ironically last year we limited out on the first day and we were good for a while but yeah there are a lot of species that have short amount of windows because they're slow um growing and slow reproducing fish yeah you you want those regulations for that reason what are some of like the must know catch and release fish out there um well obviously like tarpon and goliath groupers heavily protected um and what we've been seeing a lot too is like a lot of sharks down here and it's been a problem. Um, and people don't realize like when you're leadering up a tarpon, two seconds later, there could be a shark on it trying to eat your tarpon, which is actually what happened to us a couple of weeks ago. But luckily, um, my fiance, who was chartering the the boat, who was, ca- was the captain of the, the charter at the time, he was able to maneuver it in a way where the shark left the tarpon alone and we were able to uh, safely release a tarpon. Wow. But yeah, so there's a lot of heavily protected species in Florida. And the worst thing you can do is harm or take back any of those fish because that there's severe like consequences when it comes to some of the species. Talk to me about the, the tarpon because you can't even lift them out of the water, right? You can, um, if they're juveniles, to take the hook out. Same thing with Goliath groupers. Um, and you're not allowed to lift any sharks that are prohibited out of, like, because they're also some of the, like, the cooler sharks, like the hammerheads. Um, yeah. And even, like, tiger sharks you'll see down here. Um, you're not allowed to lift them out of the water, no matter how small they are. Um, so, but, yeah, no, it, there's... um. The tarpon, you can lift them out of the water if they're juveniles. Um, I don't know exactly what the the limit is, but it's it's uh, there's one of those. What kind of tips and tricks do you have um, when you're releasing those? I mean, I feel like it's so hard to get hooks out sometimes. So are, are there specific hooks that you're using or um, tackle that you're using? Yeah, my fiance likes the um, SSW owner hooks, um, the seven O's, and he likes them because like, obviously is a good hook set on there but they're also like um if there's a hook in a fish or a shark or tarpon it'll eventually like come out it'll only take a couple days um so it's not so much like getting your hook back um it's more getting the hook set and making sure that you're you know you're releasing the fish properly 
Yeah. And to do that, you know, you want to put the tarpon into the current. If there's no current, just put in the, go to, the boat in gear. Um, I've seen him do that and just kind of wait to let go of that tarpon until he's like kicking on his own. Same thing with cobia, same thing with a lot of um, fish who, because it's a big fight. So you want to get them to um, a state where they're kicking on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really important. And you know what? I think that there's been so many um, amazing YouTube videos recently posted on people catching fish and releasing them and making sure that they are putting the, the boat in gear or um, letting the, the fish swim in the current, like you said, and getting water through their gills. Like it's really, really important. Um, especially if you know for sure that you're not going to keep a fish, right? Like exactly. And sometimes take, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's super hard, but let's take the extra five minutes or whatever it is to, to make sure that fish is going back. That's one of the things I do with like trout fishing in Oregon, like even on the river or salmon or steelhead or whatever, like if I'm not going to keep the fish, I'm going to put it in the current and like, yeah, just keep it in your hand. It'll go off when it wants to go off. Um, it's yeah. Like and I think that, I think that one of the, what things that I've seen that's like, unfortunate or just really tough is sometimes when fish swallow the hook it's like something yeah. you really try to avoid so it's not like and it's all in finesse of the angler so if it's somebody who's not as skilled like that's why i am very adamant about making sure that people who are coming down here that don't live down here that don't really fish down here they charter captains because you can do so much harm to a fish if you don't have the skill sets to know when to lay a hook in the fish at the spot that you want them to um to eat it yeah. you know um because that's a great point it, yeah if you wait too long then the fish is going to swallow the hook and then he's going to be like gut hooked and spitting out blood and you know you're in a really bad spot and my fiance is really really good about like knowing when somebody psychoses something when the fish is on it when to start reeling because they're circle hooks um or if it's j hooks like when to set the hook because Last thing you want, like I said, is for that fish to swallow the hook. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And and like you said, hiring a charter is huge because they have so much experience, especially. Right. I mean, I fish, but even if I go to Florida, I'm going to hire a charter because I don't know yeah. the fishing there. So it's as simple as just knowing people that know what they're doing um, and making sure you're doing the right thing, too. Yeah. And it's not you're not going to be an expert like trailing your boat from, you know, Jupiter and you're going to the Florida Keys and you have, yeah. you know, you you fish on the weekends. That doesn't make you an expert down here because the navigational part, the fishing part, um, even the catching bay part is so much cheaper just to it would be so much cheaper just to hire a, a guide for yeah. the day. So I've got a question on here. The Return them Right program. Yes. What is that? So. It's actually a regulation in the east coast of Florida when you're bottom fishing a lot of the times those type of fish because they're in deeper water either their stomachs um you know the air they just filled with air and then their eyeballs pop out. So unfortunately it makes it more of a delicate situation to um return them back into the water release them safely. So this program and I don't really go offshore fishing a lot like or bottom fishing a lot like if we do that it's in not that deep of water um but people on the east coast it's a regulation out there because it safely releases the fish back down to the depth in a way where the system i'm not really sure how it works but um, the system makes it so that they are safely released at the bottom 
with their, you know, everything intact yeah. um, and, you know, their stomachs back where they're supposed to be. Because I guess it's like the water pressure or something. Yeah, I, I think I've actually seen that. And they, they release at the bottom and stuff. It's super cool. Um, what other major rules and regulations are over there in Florida that you can think there's, of? There's not a ton of like for the releasing, obviously, just size limit um, and, you know, seasons and also prohibited species. But the one thing I will say that people don't also realize is the protective slime that a lot of these fish have. Um, so it's it's important, like if you do catch, let's say, like a small cobia, not to handle it so much because you're wiping all the uh, protective slime that they use and yeah. need um when you release them back and um same thing with a lot of different species but and a, a good tip is to have a really good dehooker because if you can do it while they're in the water and touch them as least the least amount as possible it's probably you know the best thing for that fish that that brings up a good one i mean so what are like the biggest tips and tricks for, you know, beginners and for people that are wanting to release fish like that? So the hookers are a little bit tricky. Um, you know, you, you definitely, I would recommend somebody showing you how it works. Um, because like you just avoid like, A, yourself getting hurt or getting bitten, right? So if just have somebody teach you how to use a hooker, use get a good one. And um you know, the best advice I can, you know, give anybody who's new is to hire somebody to show you how to do these things. Because it, it's, it's not like you're going to go out on your boat, catch fish and like, just let me try to dehook it, you know. If somebody was new and they have a friend that says, hey, I want you to come on my boat or whatever. And they, let's just say they didn't hire um, a charter. What, what advice would you give somebody for um, being a new angler over there? I mean, that's a really tricky situation because, like I said, coming down to Florida, even going offshore, there's um, there's a lot of complications, especially in the backcountry with navigation and fishing. Even if you know all the regulations um, and you don't know how to dehook a fish, like yeah. that's not a good that's not a good position to be in. Um, so, yeah, hire someone. <laughs> Just hire someone. I, I mean, yeah. that's why they, these guys make a living doing that. They've been um, fishing for years and years and years. And um, that's the best person to learn from. Because like I said, this is the sport fishing capital of the world. And a lot of fish are very sacred um, to the livelihood of a lot of the captains down here. So, yeah. um, you know, you can't mess with that and just, you know, try it out and see what happens. Do you have any other tips and tricks for saltwater fishing in general for anybody listening in? Um, just know your regulations and, um, you know, it, it's okay to hire a guide the first two, you know, first couple times and then kind of pick up and ask questions, talk to the locals. Um, yeah, that's your best bet is also talking to the locals and finding information. Do you have any upcoming trips or tournaments coming up? Um, not really. It's kind of season for my fiance. So he'll be booked like almost every day. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of months, but nothing planned yet. Yeah. Just kind of cruising. When's the last yeah. time you went, when's the last time you went fishing? We actually just went a couple of days ago and I actually, we caught, well, he caught a 300 pound Goliath grouper that I got my first 
lip grab on, which was pretty oh cool. Yep. And uh, that thing was pounds. really, really strong. Um, but I ended up getting my first lip grab, which was awesome. And for those of you who don't know, it's when you grab, a, you know, a fish by the lips in the water. You stay in the water. But we, I just held him so we can um, take the hook out. And... Um, which I don't recommend for anybody new because if that thing did, um, the bite force on that thing is super strong. So it mm -hmm. don't professionals only, um, <laughs> but, and I caught a big Kobe that day too. So that was the last nice. time we went out. Yeah. So it was a good day. Can you keep Kobe? You can, if they are 36 inches to the fork okay. for this year, it could change next year. Um, cause that's what happens to a lot of the species too. It's like, they, they do a lot of research and then, um, you know, it could be once a year that they change, uh, the regulations and move it up. Yeah. It's, it's been super rad. Um, I mean, I was super excited to talk to you about this stuff too, because I feel like it's really important to know rules and regulations and, um, you are brilliant when it comes to that. So it's been super fun to talk to you about this and like, it makes me want to even grow more and knowing rules and regulations for california because we can't know them all but we can sure as heck at least try to know them all right and yep. um simple stuff like returning the fish and de-hooking and little things that you know you can learn how to do better which makes such an improvement to the environment oh yeah um astrid social media give us a little instagram what do you got all right. You guys can follow me on Instagram at catching underscore Astrid. Um, you can follow my fiance at BNM Bean. And you can follow all our ventures on YouTube on Bean Sport Fishing TV. So does your fiance actually do Charterson? Yes. So he's okay. a, a full-time backcountry guide here in Isla Mirada. And right now it's tarpon season, but he's really, really good at um, catching triple tail too, which make really good table fare. And uh, the whole experience is so fun because you're sight casting at these things and they're super strong. And he's also been catching a lot of cobia and goliath groupers. And um, if you want like a constant action thing, there's a lot of uh, mangrove snappers, which are really fun and also sea trouts. So if somebody wanted to book a charter through him, how can, how can they do that? They can go to beansportfishing.com. Nice. That sounds epic. I'm yeah. going to do that next time I'm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Rad awesome. Astrid. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thanks everybody, everybody for listening in. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty. <laughs>